Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. And I am your other co-host, Ryan Bauer. Ryan, we did it. We finally have a guest on the show. We did it. We've convinced somebody. We've <laughs> tricked somebody into coming onto our show. All the money in the world couldn't get <laughs> someone on, but man, we did it. We did it. Um, yeah, so today our special guest is my cousin of 28 years, <laughs> Adam Johnson. Adam, how are you, and what have you been playing? I'm doing all right. Um, I'm just hanging out at home, working from home. Um, I've been playing a variety of a couple of games, um, Desperados 3, and uh, I think uh, Hell Let Loose, which is another, it's a first-person shooter, so a variety of games in my oh. downtime. Um, mostly PC, though. Mm-hmm. Master Race. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? I'm doing good, um, enjoying the crisp fall air that has finally arrived, and I've been playing a bit of Valhalla. Mm. I, I, I got Valhalla for my PC, and it looks gorgeous. England has never looked more beautiful. Um, um, so I've been playing with that. Uh, again, popping back into Crusader Kings whenever I can, because I love it so much and just never have enough time to play it. And then a bit of Animal Crossing, a bit of Hades, the usual the usual three, um, with just an addition of Valhalla. What about you, Eric? How are you, and what have you been playing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm also good. I'm glad we were all doing so good. Um, <laughs> it's about another week of work. I did like a week-long training. My brain is like so fried. I don't know, man. I just, maybe I'm getting old or something. I just can't do it anymore. And plus we had to do like act in front of other people. And I just, my anxiety like skyrockets, you know, like oh, no. as a therapist, I yeah. love having a closed door and just one person to talk to. But when there's, you know, a room full of people and I have to talk, like, I don't know. I just I struggle a lot, <laughs> but, but survived it. I did it. I'm proud of myself. Um, as for games, I haven't played a whole lot. I actually jumped back into Animal Crossing last night for the first time since Halloween night because uh, Adam had to get some fruit, which was fun. Um, so many weeds. Um, but I have been playing the heck out of No More Heroes, the first one. I am like super just addicted to it all over again, and I love it. I love that I've gone back to play it because now that I'm a little bit older, I played it like ten years ago. So now I'm a little bit older, I'm kind of seeing, or maybe this is like the therapist in me, I'm seeing like, this character has like, I think, grand illusions of what's really happening in this world. I feel like this game is so wacky and, and everywhere that it makes literally no sense unless like this person was like, just not there fully, you know? So it's it's kind of fun to, to play these games again and as a, from a new perspective. Yeah, so I'm going on a tangent. But yeah, so No More Heroes is what I've been playing. But uh, overall, that's pretty much it. But yeah, so... Storygoers, as usual, you can write in with your thoughts, feelings, and perspectives. Um, oh, we have one today. I totally forgot. Yes, we have a thoughts, feelings, and perspective. Chris LaForce Chris LaForce wrote to us again. He's awesome. The return of LaForce. Everyone else is really slacking. You kind of have to give him Chris's <laughs> level here because uh, it's a little uh, embarrassing for you, storygoer, listening to this if you're not Chris LaForce. <laughs> so yeah, Chris LaForce wrote in to us um, about the secret of Monkey Island. He goes, hey, friends. It's your number one favorite emailer. Just listened to Monkey Island, and it was awesome. While I didn't play it myself, the first games I remember playing were the King's Quest series on Floppy. So the point-and-click games hold a special place in my heart. Did you guys ever play King's Quest? I had not. I have not, no. No, I haven't heard of it either. But it's cool. I mean, the 90s are just I feel full of games I just never played. <laughs> so like, I've heard of King's Quest, and I've seen it. It's, it's this like, super interesting... Like, it's like a cartoon playing out, and you have choices, I think, but it's, yeah, it's, I think, even before our time. Mm, interesting. Um, he continues, when Halloween swings back around, I would definitely recommend The Last Door for a nice spooky indie pick. 
Oh, cool. Thank you. I, I, I'm actually super excited for Halloween all over again. I feel like that was like, my favorite time <laughs> recording this, this show. Um, my question to you guys is, do you prefer the original style of these graphic adventure games or the updated hand-drawn style that seems to be happening to their remasters? Awesome question. Actually, Ryan, you touched a little bit on this during our Monkey Island episode. Yeah, I did. I think it's it's kind of a personal taste. Um, the problem with the pixelated versions are beautiful and magical in their own way. But the gameplay becomes such a challenge when you're kind of end up being pixel hunting when you're just kind of clicking wildly along the screen because you can't really make out what's there. Um, but I think there's a charm to that. And especially if you've played it in that version, that nostalgia is there. Um, but so I certainly think ch- check out both with the Monkey Island. Like I said, you can switch between them like whenever you want, which is really cool. I personally think I prefer the updated art style, but I didn't I didn't play the original, so I don't think I have that. It doesn't have a special place in my heart in the same way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you play a lot of point and clicks? Um, Not so much anymore. So I really, I, I, I guess I can't comment too much, but, uh, you know, I think this it's the, um, in the same vein of when uh, Link's Awakening came out, I mean, you can go back and see um, the different art styles. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I can't really comment because I don't play point and click all that much. Yeah, yeah, I didn't play point and clicks a whole lot either, honestly, and I kind of regret that I didn't. It's a style of game I don't give enough credit for, and it's one that I don't ever like have a lot of motivation to go to. But I guess if I had to pick, I would guess I, I would pick the hand drawn style only because I love art a lot in games. It's kind of what drives me to like want to play a game sometimes, just the art. And like Ryan said, Ryan makes a great point. Like it's all pixelated. Um, it's so hard to kind of differentiate what one thing is from another but there's a kind of like uh, a kind of just classic feel to that original style it's just it's very cool so either one sounds is really nice but i would probably go hand-drawn over anything uh so he chris continues anyway great episode the collection of voices was awesome and i love the new sound effects you included ryan you did that i did. You did awesome I did. thanks <laughs> yeah um and i i literally had to go through and show my girlfriend the the dialogue part with the old man in the sword master because i literally like i thought it's the funniest line in the whole game <laughs> you're lost baby <laughs> so funny yeah chris continues it makes the episode even more transporting if you don't mind a little feedback i did have trouble hearing the narration over the sounds sometimes so i think raising the narration while lowering the sounds just slightly would be a big help but the character dialogue was perfect yeah and 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 that was our first go around doing all the sound effects so i'm actually super proud with how it turned out yeah and we'll get better every time doing mm-hmm. it i think yeah, it's always a challenge balancing those um, the levels of the levels of the sound effects, and especially if you added like some of that ambiance sound, making sure that doesn't overbear the voice. It's a lot of it's kind of tedious, but yeah, it certainly. I think as we get better at it, it'll be easier. And I'm positive there's like systems if we knew Audacity better to like automate that or to like set levels in a in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. So Chris ends. He goes, "Keep up the great work. Excited for your first guest, Chris, which is what we have on today." Adam. We're excited Perfect. too. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, P.S. Seriously, thank you so much for the extra life contribution. It was incredible. And we donated to uh, Chris's and his uh, co host, uh, Hanny's par- podcast, The First Encounter. Um, it is a podcast focused solely on one person who's Chris, uh, is a Final Fantasy VII lover. He's played the game. Hanny has, I like, oh, haven't really heard about it. He's never played the game before. And so they're playing through the game together and kind of gain a perspective of someone who loves the game and someone who's just learning about the game and going through it. It's a fantastic podcast. If you haven't heard it. Cool idea. Yeah, yeah it's great. I love it a lot. Um, so we donate to them. And um, Storygoers, if you haven't yet, Extra Life is kind of going on around everywhere right now on Twitch and on podcast services. So if you haven't yet and you have a few extra bucks, I know times are tough right now. Um, 
you know, I would really encourage uh, some donation because all the all the kids out there really need it right now. Yeah, so. it's a great cause. Yeah, great, great cause. So yeah, um, other side notes. Uh, so like I was saying before, before I like totally went off on a tangent there. Uh, <laughs> Storygoers, you could be as cool as Chris LaForce because not only does he have a really cool last name, but he has also written in twice. Um, you can bring in your thoughts, feelings, and perspectives at talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. Adam, does that make sense when I say all the E's are threes? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Okay. It sucks that we can't get the actual one. Yeah, when you created the podcast, you're explaining it to me. So <laughs> for me, I understand. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's true. Uh, you can also you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. DM us. Let us know what you think about the episodes that we are going to cover and that we have already covered. And we'll happily read those on the podcast. Um, also, one more housekeeping. We just released our first Tales from the Cartridge Bedtime Stories episode. Yes. Um, yeah, as a cold launch, we weren't pl- really planning on it to actually like happen. Um, but we had few, we had a little bit extra time on our hands and tried it, and it like it was just a lot of fun to do. And man, does the music just? It's like it's my favorite music. I think we have. I think so too. I think it's anything. mine too. It's I was so good. I was listening to it yesterday. My girlfriend was playing Valhalla on the computer, and I was on the couch behind her, just listening, like and just like calmly dozing off to the, like the absolute <laughs> zen state that it puts you in. It was really wonderful. <laughs> Awesome, good. I'm glad you say that. I, I, yeah, it's. I, I was really proud of how it turned out. So um, that's going to happen at least once a month if we have time, maybe twice. Yeah. Um, but our first episode is part one of Mario 64. We're keeping the episode short, so it's going to be a three-parter. When Mario goes, the, he deals with the main level, the floor of the castle. Uh, part two will be down in the basement, and then part three will be the upper levels. And so yeah, it should turn out. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Well, and then you know from there we'll uh, move forward. We're. I think we're going to focus more. On games, I mean, I don't know if I talked to you about this yet, right? Yeah, we, we chatted a little bit, yeah. Okay, yeah. Focus more on games that don't have, like, a story, per se. It's more of, like, a gameplay aspect, which I think really works well for a bedtime story. Yeah. So you can kind of des- describe the actions of the characters more, and you can kind of imagine that as you fall asleep. It'll be great. Very nice, like, ASMR experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. exactly. As you listen to our sweet and savory voices. That's exactly Sultry. what I was saying there yesterday, Eric. <laughs> Start yeah, yeah, you said microphone. that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's jump in to the background of this game. Uh, Ryan, do you want to kind of run us through some of the background stuff for Uncharted? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so <laughs> Uncharted released in no- November 16th, 2007, um, not too long ago. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. It was developed um, by Naughty Dog and published by Sony, Sony Computer Entertainment. Um, written by Amy Hennig, Neil Druckmann, and Josh Scher. Um, Josh is the only one I don't know super well. I know Amy has had her own experiences and she's gone off to do other things and Neil is still holding strong in Naughty Dog. Yeah, yeah. I think it wasn't Josh maybe the co-person at Naughty Dog and he left. I feel like that's true and I don't really want to look it up to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, made by Naughty Dog, makers of like Crash Bandicoot and Jack and Dexter, which I think we talk a little about in the influences. Yeah, yeah. So for the influences after Jack 3... And I remember Jack 3. I actually didn't play it, but I remember that coming out and being like a bigger deal. Um, so Naughty Dog assembled most of their technically talented staff and began to work on Drake's Fortune, uh, which was under the codename Big for some reason. Um, probably because it was a huge game for them at the time. The company decided to create a whole new IP. Rather than working on another Jack and Dexter, they wanted to create something that's more suitable for the next gen. So that's PlayStation 3 at the time. And to create something that was more realistic with human characters instead of like stylish ones like from Jack and Dexter. They thought that Uncharted would kind of bring this fresh and interesting feel. And although they like I guess they, they kind of named it, they termed it stylized realism. Which makes sense. I think you see that in the game too. It's very stylistic. 
in its own sense. <laughs> Inspirations were drawn from various sources, uh, such as Indiana Jones and National Treasure, which like totally makes sense. Yeah, for <laughs> when sure. When you see the game, it just feels just like Indiana Jones and National Treasure. And the team felt that they that the sources shared this like sense of mystery and what if scenarios that very like kind of romanticized action and and aimed to include those all those concepts into the game Uncharted. Very cool stuff. I think Uncharted is really cool. Adam, you were the one that, that wanted to cover this story today. What is it about Uncharted that you love? Uncharted, for, for me, was really one of the first games that, that I felt immersed in. Um, and, and obviously, I'd been a gamer for a very long time. But, you know, 2007, I'm in high school. I've always been a big Indiana Jones fan. I love adventure. Um, I love, obviously, history. Um, and things like that. And Uncharted mm. was really that game that kind of was able to take all of those bits and pieces of, of movies and games that I liked and put it into a singular story. Um, and you, and, and for me, I felt immersed in it. And, um, you know, I, for, for me, my, my now wife is one of the only games that she'll actually sit and watch or, you know, interact with because oh, it's, wow. it's, it's an interesting storyline and, and, and um, it feels like you're playing a, in a, in a movie. Um, so I just, I really yeah, have always yeah. liked Uncharted. Um, Uncharted 3 is probably, if I were to pick a favorite game of all time, Uncharted 3 is that for me. I just, I've always loved these games. Mm-hmm. When you ask me to, to come on and, and, and talk about a game, I was like, I have to, I think Uncharted is perfect for someone like me to, to at least have some sort of skin in the uh, game and <laughs> being able to, to talk with you guys about it. So, um, so, yeah, I think that's why I picked it. It was able to really capture so many elements of, of things in pop culture that I enjoy. And, and they did a very mm-hmm. great job. You know, obviously, Naughty Dog is great studio. So <laughs> they always do for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. They got a little bit of flack from Last of Us 2, I, but hopefully all those stories aren't totally true. I actually haven't played uh, Last of Us 2 yet. My my PlayStation died oh. uh, about a year and a half ago, and I'm waiting for oh, the PS5, right. but um, obviously we know how that's going right now. Yeah, yikes. Yeah, that's that's going to be a while. Yeah, that sucks. And, um, you know, actually, when you mentioned that you wanted to do Uncharted, like, I think Ryan and I both were like, yes, this is a great game to cover on on this podcast like it's the story is so mm-hmm. good um and storygoers just for context too adam works in a museum so and he's super knowledgeable about history so the fact that you want to play this game adam makes so much sense because like history and you just go together hand in hand so and this game has you know it's chock full of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I never used the word chock full before but here we are ryan <laughs> what are your experiences with uncharted and what are your feelings for it yeah, so uh, I love the Uncharted series. Uh, similar to Adam, uh, it came out when I was in high school. I'm pretty sure I played the second one first and then went back and played the first one. Um, I don't think when the first one came out, either I didn't have a PlayStation 3 at the time because I, I'm, I've been always late to the PlayStation game. Um, at, like I was get a year or so after. So I didn't play the original Uncharted, but I went back after playing Uncharted 2 and loving it. Um, for a lot of the same reasons, I, I, I also enjoy history. That action-adventure piece is always really exciting. I love Indiana Jones. Pulp Fiction is just a really cool concept and idea, and getting to play around in history in these interesting settings are always really fun. Yeah, and similarly, the story, the characters are interesting and engaging, and they feel in some ways like fully formed humans that you like want to hang out with because they're just like fun and goofy and... And really lovable in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, yeah it, it's it's just a really great series. But I think I my onboarding was Uncharted two, and then I went back and replayed one um, years later. What about you? 
Yeah, no, I actually am very similar to you, Ryan, um, and Adam, too. But and I, I got jumped on the boat, the Uncharted boat and Uncharted 2, and I worked my way back. And I remember I have such good fond memories of Uncharted, the series as a whole, like, geez, and Uncharted 2 just playing multiplayer with you guys, like, every day after school, because, man, that multiplayer is fantastic. But that's not what we're talking about right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so I playing Uncharted 2, and I loved it. I knew I wanted to play Uncharted 1. And it was a little bit of like a, a weird experience going back to Uncharted 1. is very different than Uncharted. Well, not very different, but just graphically it was very different. But man, that story was just as good, I feel like, as Uncharted 2. Maybe Uncharted 2 is slightly better. But Uncharted 1 is just such a great game. And I was telling this to Adam earlier. What Uncharted does really well is it takes real-life history and it makes it fun for people who may not like history. It makes it easy to understand and easy to kind of digest. And I think it does. It just does a great job in that aspect. Like it doesn't make it confusing. Um, just going through the story again, I, I understood the setup that that the writers were going for with Sir Francis Drake, and and it it was just such a really cool story. Melding melding history and fantasy kind of into one thing is a lot of fun, and I I'm really excited to jump into the story. So, but before we jump in, do you guys have anything else you want to say about Uncharted? Uh, no, I'm I'm just really excited. It's it's I I do remember this game after playing Uncharted Two being a lot spookier. But we'll see if I if that if that holds. <laughs> I would holds say up. you're right. <laughs> yeah, and just just really quick, I think one of the the things that you know maybe Uncharted One doesn't get enough credit for is is when you're playing it, and I, I was able to rewatch it because I haven't played it in a few years, um, like five or six years or so. Um, you feel like you're you're on a u-boat you feel like you're in a jungle you feel like you're in mm-hmm. in in with you know walking around with with nathan drake and sully and all of them so it's just it the the, the ability maybe like the ps3 was a great system and when you're watching it again it's you know you can obviously there's some graphic um you, you can see just how dated the graphics are but they did such mm-hmm. a great job with with pulling you into these sets and making you feel like you're there so i think that that's that's huge to me it was nice to go back and watch the game again. And you just saying, like, you know, walk, like, going with Nathan Drake on this adventure, like, the characters themselves are so good in this in this series. Not only is the story good, but the characters are lovable, and you want to you, you get invested with them very easily. Yeah. It, it just it, it works so well together. Like, there's really no negatives. In terms of the story, I would say there's no negatives overall. Like, could things be better? Of course. Anything could be better. But I think Uncharted is a very solid package all around. Yeah, one of the things that I really like about Uncharted is is when the you know the side characters, uh, I.E. Sully, um, Elena, all of them, when you're interacting with the world, they're interacting with how the player is interacting with the world. They're they're conversing in the game as you're as you're going through it. So like I said, it's just it it's mm-hmm. really immersive. No, you're totally right. It's it's a lot better than if a character is just walking aimlessly behind mm-hmm. you because not only are they like following you and it makes the immersion even better they're also adding to that story they're also asking questions to nate and nate's responding back to them or vice versa you know like they're adding on to this dialogue to this narrative while also adding to this gameplay which is so cool like i mean i don't know i can't really think of any other games at the time that did that i'm sure there are you know but at the time i feel like there was it wasn't as good as uncharted was i could just be biased because we're talking about uncharted (laughs) right now (laughs) but i mean but yeah no i think you're totally right in the vastness of the bottom of the ocean, a quote appears. There must be a beginning of any great matter, but the continuing unto the end until it be thoroughly finished yields the true glory. Sir Francis Drake, 1587. A stone coffin lays on the ocean floor, 
sand and barnacles decorated on its surface. Having finally found it, the coffin was collected and brought onto the ship resting on the surface above. I'm here off the coast of Panama, where we've just discovered what we believe to be the coffin of the legendary explorer Sir Francis Drake, who was buried at sea 400 years ago. The woman, dressed in scuba gear, records the outside of the coffin, as a man in similar scuba gear uses a crowbar to open the coffin on one side. She has blonde hair pulled back in a ponytail. He has short brown hair spiked in the front. Are you sure you want to be defiling your ancestors' remains like that? The man laughs as she continues to record. <laughs> you make it sound so dirty. <laughs> Besides, I thought you didn't believe me. He continues to the other side of the coffin and begins to use the crowbar again. Well, I did do my research, and apparently Sir Francis Drake didn't have any children. Well, history can be wrong, you know? For example, you can't defile an empty coffin. The man is able to lift the top of the coffin off and reveals the secrets inside. Well, The body of Sir Francis Drake did not inhabit the coffin. Only sand and rocks rested inside, along with a small chest. <laughs> Opening it, the man finds a small journal. He opens the journal and examines it, delight in his eyes as he smiles with happiness. <laughs> you devil! What is it? Come on, hold it up! The man looks up quickly and pushes his hands into the camera's lens. No, no, no! No way! The deal is for the coffin, that's it. Wait a minute, if the show hadn't funded this expedition, you wouldn't have... Hey, hey, you got your story, lady. Look, Mr. Drake, you signed a contract. <laughs> I have every right to see every single thing that... Whoa, whoa. Could you hold that thought? Looking off in the distance, the man turns and begins to walk to one side of the boat, grabbing a walkie-talkie. Sully, uh, we got some trouble. Hurried up. Okay, okay, what is going on? Uh, pirates. Pirates? Yeah, the modern kind. They don't take prisoners. He pulls up a white briefcase labeled N. Drake and opens it. Inside rests four handguns, and ammo for each. Well, at least not male prisoners. Wait, what are you talking about? Should, uh, sh should we call the authorities or something? That, that would be a great idea. But we don't exactly have a permit to be here. What? Yeah, so unless you want to end up in a Panamanian jail, we should probably handle this ourselves. Wh what's worse? You obviously haven't been in a Panamanian jail. Do you know how to use one of these? The man hands her one of the four pistols, loaded and ready to shoot. Yeah, it's, it's like a camera. You just point and shoot, right? Good girl. Here we go. The woman has fear in her eyes and uncertainty aching in her chest as she watches the pirates moving in closer and closer. How did they find us out here? Uh, these guys have been telling me for weeks. <laughs> I thought I lost them. So what'd you do to piss them off? Uh, it's kind of a long story. The two take cover behind thick wooden boxes, residing on their boat. The man begins to fire at the pirates. These guys don't like you much, do they? Less talking, more shooting! He continues to fire, bullets pushing into the skulls of the pirates. Hurry up, Sully! They're climbing aboard! The man rushes over to the pirate on board, quickly knocking them out. Oh no, you don't! Come on, Sully, where are you? They continue to fight for their lives, the pirates coming in waves. Oh my god, Drake! That one's got some type of rocket launcher! A pirate from one of their boats pulls out a rocket launcher and fires, destroying the cockpit of the boat. Whoa! Okay, that's not good. 
Suddenly, as if from God himself, a plane swoops in, firing on the pirates. What's that? Woohoo! All right, Sully! The woman looks at the boat on fire and gives a deep sigh. I don't think I'm getting my security deposit back. <laughs> Calvary's here! The man says in delight, covering behind more boxes and crates and pirates coming to fire at him. Oh, thank God. The boat begins to rupture, flames flying up at them. Oh, no. Ah, oh, damn it. Whole ship's gonna blow, we gotta jump. Yeah. Oh, wait! What are you doing? The woman runs back, grabbing the camera she put down earlier. Okay, okay. Now, come on! Go! All right. The two jump from the ship as it explodes into pieces. They come back up to the surface to find a seaplane resting on the ocean. <laughs> I can't leave you alone for a minute, can I? The man in the seaplane, cigar lit and sitting in his mouth, looks down at the two in the water. His silver hair slicked back, and a confident smile showed prominently. I had everything under control until they blew up the boat. <laughs> you alright? Uh, nothing years of therapy won't fix. Well, if it isn't the beautiful and talented Elena Fisher... The woman, Elena Fisher, climbs inside the plane first. Flattery will get you screen time. Yeah, I'm more behind-the-scenes kind of guy. Victor Sullivan. Oh. Oh, for Christ's sakes. The man climbs inside the seaplane. What do you say we get out of here, before we attract more attention? The seaplane lifts off and flies into the air, the three now safely in the sky. Well? A little present from Sir Francis. Nate hands the journal to Sully. So you found the coffin? Wait a minute, is that what I think it is? <laughs> Drake's lost diary. He faked his death, like I said, Sully. He must have been onto something big. Yeah, well, let's keep that between us. Thanks for the loan, Mr. Drake. I think I've earned a look at that diary when we land. The man with the spike brown hair, named Nathan Drake, stares at his cigar-smoking partner, Victor Sullivan, known as Sully by his friends. Not sure what to say to Elena Fisher. The three land sometime later on an unknown tropical shore. Small huts built near the shoreline. Nate and Sully, both inside a boat, discuss the journal found in Sir Francis's coffin while Elena is pacing on the dock, talking on the phone. Okay, so look. When Drake sailed into the Pacific, he took the Spanish fleet completely by surprise. He captured their ships, he took all their maps, their letters, their journals, and recorded everything in this diary. Uh-huh. So this? But when he got back to England, Queen Elizabeth confiscated all of his charts and logbooks, including this one, and then swore his entire crew to silence. Yeah, so this... You see, Drake discovered something on that voyage, Sully. Something so secret and so valuable, they couldn't risk it getting out. Nate spoke to Sully with passion about the journal. Around Nate's neck rested a necklace made from leather lace with a ring knotted on it. All right, Nate. Just pretend for a minute that I really don't care about any of that stuff and cut to the chase, would you? A man only interested in the climax. He must be a real hit with the ladies. Never had any complaints. Okay then, I'll jump to the good part just for you. Nate opens Sir Francis Drake's journal and puts it on the table in front of Sully. The page laid open for Sully showed a small map labeled El Dorado. <laughs> El goddamn Dorado. He was on to something big all right. Does it say anything else? Oh, so now you're interested, huh? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, no. The last page was torn out. I'm telling you, Sully, though. This is it. This is finally it. Yeah, 
Only we got one problem. Sully points to Elena outside, still talking on the phone. Yeah, that's what I said. It blew up. It sank. No, that's why we got insurance, right? Oh. Oh no, the camera. No, no, the camera's fine. Don't worry about the camera, no. Uh, still as good as new. Sully, the girl can hold her own. You should have seen her. Fine. You go on out there and you tell her, we just found the lost city of gold. Maybe her producer can get it on the air tonight. Oh, come on. Nate, do you trust me? More or less. Good, because we're going to have every two-bit scumbag in the world racing us to this treasure unless we cut her loose right now. You're a real gentleman, Sully, Nate says sarcastically. I know. It stinks. She'll get over it. I don't care for over budget. I mean, do you realize this could be, like, the biggest story of the year? Elena turns awkwardly and meets eyes with Sully, who is still inside the boat. Hi. She waves awkwardly to him, uncomfortable that she looked into the boat. No, I don't trust him, okay? That's why we need to move fast. So get me the camera crew, and I promise that- The boat, occupied with Nate and Sully, suddenly roars to life and takes off, leaving the reporter behind. Son of a bitch. She runs down to the dock, trying to stop them. Hey! Should've seen that one coming. Alright, let's take a break really quick. So guys, uh, let's start with Adam. Adam, so far, we kind of have this set up, right? We know the three main characters of the story. Uh, what are you thinking so far? Well, you know, you're, you're, you're immediately introduced to these three people. Um, obviously, it's, it's quite apparent that you have one guy who might be a little too trusting, and then you have Sully, who's the level head, who, well, not maybe not the level head, but uh, the, the, <laughs> the mentor type to, to Drake, and then obviously the reporter, so who's trying to get a story. That that's like th- those are the initial thoughts. Um, maybe they shouldn't be doing this treasure hunt. Who who uh, who are these guys dealing with? Um, that that pirates are coming after them. You know, there's there's a lot going on here just in this first setup. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? What are you feeling? Uh, I think it's a really good way to introduce some characters. The the dialogue here does a really good job of kind of setting up the dynamic. Like Adam said, you right away know. Okay, Sully is some type of mentoring type. Uh, Drake is kind of like that Indiana Jones analog, right? The the adventurous, um, kind of charismatic guy who just also happens to murder a bunch of people. Um, and then you have <laughs> Elena who's there um, trying to get a story, kind of a little bit over her head, trying to figure out what's going on. But we have this kind of setup, right? The This hook of El Dorado, which even for people who don't know a ton about history, I think understand that El Dorado means like wealth and gold. And that, that is our hook, mm. right? That's our really interesting hook. Uh, but yeah yeah i think it's really cool the way they set this up that you immediately are in this firefight you know for for nate and elena to be caught in this life or death situation with, with these pirates it kind of forces them to get closer maybe more than they actually wanted to be right and so they become more friendlier and you see this friendship starts to form between the three of them though like adam says sully's more the, the level-headed one he's more the realist like we can't have this girl following us or else, you know, she'll want the treasure too, or she'll ruin this for us. We have to just stick to us. We work together. We don't need anyone else. And I kind of think that kind of sets the dynamic up really well. Yeah, and, and she's a reporter. Yeah, she's, she's a reporter. A reporter. Yeah. So, like, you know, that's Sully doesn't want this story getting out. And he says it right at the end there, at the end of the dialogue. Like, yeah, it, let her come along, and, and everybody's going to know what we're doing, what we're up to. And, oh, by the way, there's this El Dorado, the, the city of gold, right? This is... Mm. You, you don't want a reporter tagging along. Um, we we used her to get a boat. Now she's got to be cut loose. 
so yeah it's weird because sully is such a likable character but he's such a dick (laughs) (laughs) it's your first introduction right (laughs) yeah yeah here's sully yeah it'll be interesting (laughs) if if there's any changes that go along throughout the story like characterization for these people it'll be fun to see if there is any Ooh, foreshadowing a short time has passed as nate and sully are deep in an unknown jungle the humidity was heavy as the two continued to explore as nate pushed forward sully stopped to catch his breath Hold on. Hold on, kid. Not as young as I used to be. <laughs> you weren't too old for that little barmaid in Lima, were you? Well, that's different. And although I must admit, equally as strenuous. Well, hang in there, old timer. We're just about there. The two continue forward into the jungle. You know, this reminds me. Did I ever tell you about the time I pawned a phony 16th century Santo off Pablo Escobar? <laughs> a risky move, but by the time he figured it out, I was... Nate, are you even listening to me? Hanging on every word. Uh, why waste my breath? Nate and Sully move through openings between large boulders and overgrown grass. You really think Francis Drake came all the way up here, huh? What an awful long way from England. The two stop in the spot they're looking for. Nate looks confused. Well? I... I don't get it. According to this, we're on top of the mark. There's nothing there, Nate. Another goddamn dead end. Easy, Sully. Just relax. Let's take a look around. Nate sighs and begins to search the area. Man, this is like trying to find a bride in a brothel. They find a narrow path and enter through the opening. An old stone structure is reclaimed by Mother Nature stand in place. Well now, this is more like it. What do you think this is, Incan? Nah, it's older than that. Like 2,000 years older. Huh. Nate climbs the structures, looking for anything that stands out to him. He jumps structure to structure. Find anything? (sighs) Nothing yet. Be careful up there. Hey, there's something funny about the ground down there. Nate points out a spot in question to Sully. It's hollow. We gotta find a way to smash through this. Shimming over to the spot from above, Nate pushes a large piece of a broken statue down and bursts through the covered opening in the ground. A small doorway now shows. Whoa! Nate jumps down and the two enter into the doorway. Good work, kid. Descending down a staircase, darkness covers their eyes. Ah, think we're going to need the flashlights for this one. Nate and Sully turn on their flashlights to suddenly have a group of bats fly at them. Whoa! What a warm and homey place, huh? (laughs) Not quite what you're expecting, huh? Yeah. Where's all the damn gold? Uh, this place was picked clean centuries ago. No good limey pirate. No, it wasn't Drake. Check this out. Looks like the Spanish guy here before he did. Nate finds an old rusted Spanish helmet that he passes over to Sully. <laughs> Sully throws the helmet in anger. What the hell, Sully? Nate, I'm not looking for a lousy piece of tin. I'm up to my eyeballs in debt. I was really counting on this one. Too many big bar tabs in Lima, I guess? (laughs) That and, well, just a few bad deals. Yeah, well, I always told you to stay away from the bad guys. And the bad girls. Yeah? Look who's talking. What is that supposed to mean? That reporter. I saw the way you were eyeing her. Elena, please. I snuffed any chance with her the second we dished her on that dock. (laughs) All's fair in love and war, kid. (laughs) And what if you can't tell the difference? Then, my friend, you're in big trouble. 
The two explorers travel deeper and deeper into the structure. Forced to solve ancient puzzles using clues left behind in Sir Francis Drake's journal, Nate and Sully find themselves in a room with only old scaffolding as a way to cross it. A deep pit looms underneath the scaffolding below. Ah, this looks safe. The scaffolding begins to creak and snap. Whoa, uh oh! Uh, Nate, get out of there now. Oh, no, 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 no! Nate runs as the scaffolding gets a break and fall beneath him. Sully stands back and travels through an opening to his left. Nate continues to run, his footing quickly plunging behind him into the pit below. Luckily, he makes it back to solid stone footing and up the staircase in front of him. <laughs> oh, I made it. I'm okay. Sully made it too, now stuck on the opposite side of the stone wall from Nate. Now it looks like we're getting somewhere. After that, we better be. They shine their lights on a strangely vacant opening. It's a space missing something large. Oh, man. The temple must have been built around this. Around what? Nate examines the ground. Small slivers of gold shine in the darkness from the light of their flashlights. A statue. A gold statue. A huge gold statue. And look, here. Sully points to the stone carvings on the wall. These people, they're worshipping the damn thing. At least, I think they're people. Of course, El Dorado, the golden man. Sully, it wasn't a city of gold. It was this. It was a golden idol. Man, could you imagine what that thing would be worth now? Look over here. Tracks. I bet the Spanish dragged it out on cut logs. <laughs> We're 400 years late for this party. So the trail's cold? Y yeah, it looks that way. Son of a bitch. Unless. Unless what? We follow the tracks. The two follow the ancient tracks left by the Spaniards, but they stop suddenly. Nate figures the Spaniards made a shortcut to get the treasure out. Climbing up more ancient pillars, Nate and Sully hear a noise. Turning a corner, the two see a large waterfall with a German U-boat resting on the ledge of the falls. Oh. <sighs> Must have come up the river during the flood season and gotten stuck. Let's check it out, huh? Nah. Wait, wait, wait. Something about this feels kinda hinky. Hinky? You act like you've never seen a German U-boat in the middle of the jungle before. No, I, I'm being serious, Nate. <laughs> Tell you what, why don't you stay here? I'll check it out myself. I'll call you if I run into any Nazis. <laughs> yeah, right. You do that. Alright, let's take a quick break right here. Um, I, I personally... I, I, Victor Sullivan is such a great character. His lines are so good. Like, he's just so personable, and as as great as Nate and Elena are, I just Sully is the one I like. I'm constantly laughing at. Like he's just so good. Like his his lines are so quick and so funny. Like he know he's probably the, like the the fun guy at the party you want to just talk to all night. Like he's such a cool dude. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you guys feel the same way, or do you feel like Nate and Elena is more the people that you kind of you kind of focus on more? Uh, I mean, I think these characters, certainly I think, I, I agree, Eric Solly is the, the kind of comedic relief, and like, he has some of the best lines. I think if it was just Solly by himself, it wouldn't work as well if it wasn't balanced with like, Drake, and his like, driving, the the driving intrigue that he's he's setting up by mm -hmm. the hook of El Dorado then becoming a physical idol, and then the U-boat is just this like totally out of left field, super interesting turn that I think, again, 
um, with Solly there and Nate being there together is what makes like their dynamic is is I think so great, and their characters are yeah. written in a way that they feel believable and realistic, or at least realistic in the same way that we you know believe in movies, right? It feels like an actual relationship. There's some history there. The way they're constantly referencing different times they were together and different things they went through together, it just is is constantly reminding you that they have this history. And, and then this history is brought to the forefront and we have these interactions back and forth. Um, and just, the, again, the, the whole idea of them finding, um, and this, this is something that's in all the Uncharted's, but it, they're looking for this great, incredible treasure and they find it, but it's not what you expected and it's different. Mm-hmm. And how isn't that? And that is much more interesting, I think, than if they just found a city of gold. They found this golden idol, which adds just this really cool mystery to it. Then the U-boat just kind of flips everything on its head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love the twists that this these games do. They they set up an expectation and then they flip it, but it makes sense because of the of the situation that you're, you're you're placed in. You know, it's not a city of gold we're looking for. It's a golden statue that was worshipped, and how that was kind of misconstrued. But Nate is very smart. He knows a lot of history, so he's kind of put that together, and it's just very very fun. Um, but yeah, Adam, what do you think? You know, this game you get to the u-boat it's not too far into the game it's it's within the first hour and you're 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 at Mm. one point you're on a boat getting shot at the next minute you're you know you're leaving a dock and and you're you're walking through the jungle you you in a cave you're you've you know you you're basically bouncing from set to set to set to set but the way that the story Mm. keeps flipping i mean i remember the first time i'm playing uncharted one you're coming out and you're seeing a u-boat just kind of sitting at the mouth of you know like pretty much on top of a waterfall like, yeah. So you're yeah. climbing through the jungle one minute, and then oh, he's gonna be climbing, d- dropping into the hatch, and and walking around a German U-boat in the middle of the jungle. It's just it's really cool. But to go back to Sully, Sully is that lovable character, that guy that that you know. I think it's I think it's Uncharted three when you when you go back and you play as a young Nathan Drake, and that's when you meet mm-hmm. um, Sully, uh, and and you see that relationship. And and at the time, you don't know how long it been around, how long they've been together, but. Um, you know, you can see that that dynamic works very well. Um, you have Drake, who's who's perfectly ready to do some parkour and, and jump around, um, <laughs> you know, off of rocks and everything. And then you have Sully, who's like, hey, man, you should probably be a little bit safer. Um, I don't know if you should go into that U-boat. It's it's kind of rickety. I'm trying to keep mm-hmm. Drake uh, in check um, and keep him alive. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't think the dynamic works separately, um, to go back to Ryan's point. If it were just Sully as the main character, it's... It, you know his um, his quips and um, you know his more level head just doesn't work um, without having Drake there. So um, all in all, great story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think Nate needs that voice of reason, which right now is is Victor Sullivan, yeah. which is you know very very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sully does a great job doing it. Like he's, he he kind of keeps him in check, which is, I think Sully, Nate needs, or else he probably would be dead already. So yeah, very very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Nate is able to climb inside the rusted German U-boat and explores inside its hulls. Thick spider webs and blood cover the inside of the submarine. Coming across a dead body, Nate finds gold coins in its pockets. Nate calls Sully over the walkie-talkies. Well, I just met a guy with pockets full of Spanish gold. Only the coins are stamped with a mint mark I've never seen before. You're kidding me. Looks like our German friends had a little secret. Walking into the captain's quarters, Nate finds the decomposing body of the German U-boat captain. Their body torn to shreds, and a pained face is all that remains of them. In the captain's hands is an old map. 
Nate opens and looks at the map and makes a shocking discovery. Sully, you're not going to believe this. Try me. I think I found our missing page. You're kidding. It looks like Drake and our German pals were after the same treasure, and I've got the map that's going to lead us right to it. Nate, this better not be another wild goose chase. We've got to get something out of this tripper. Or what? Or what? Sully? Are you there? Sullivan. Quickly leaving the submarine, Nate accidentally knocks over an old missile that slowly begins to tick. Quickly escaping the open cannon chute, Nate swims out of the submarine and emerges on the surface to find two individuals. One offers Nate a hand to get out of the water, while the other holds an AK-47. The friendlier man introduces himself as Gabriel Roman. Roman tells Nate that Sully owes a lot of money, and he overheard something about an Eldorado. Navarro, Roman's henchman, holds his gun up as Nate and Sully keep their hands up. Nate gives his newly found map to Roman as compensation for Sully's debt. To make sure Sully understands, Roman points a gun at Nate's head and prepares to fire. Roman fires and Sully jumps in front of the bullet, clenching his chest in pain. Sully! Nate jumps at Navarro's AK-47 in hand and struggles to free it. Suddenly, the missile that had been knocked over inside the German U-boat explodes and ruptures into flames. Everyone falls over from the force of the blast. Knowing this is his only chance, Nate runs into the jungle. Running fast, his soaked shoes heavy with every step he takes. Nate follows the only path he can find until he feels safe to catch his breath. From behind, a hand grabs Nate's arm. He quickly jumps back, fist ready to fight. Whoa there, cowboy. Elena, with her fist pulled back and ready as well, falls through and connects with Nate's face. That's for leaving me at the docks. What the hell are you doing here? Listen, I'm a good enough reporter to follow a few couple of no-luck tomb robbers. <gasps> Two of Roman's thugs run by Nate and Elena, not noticing them hiding. Well, you're down to one Tomb Raider now. Sully's dead. What? Yeah, and we're next if we don't get out of here. Oh god, I'm, I'm sorry. Please, tell me you have a gun. Of course. <sighs> okay, thanks. Alright, come on. Nate and Elena continue forward in the jungle, but that means going through Roman's henchmen. Traveling back through the ancient ruins Nate and Sully had just explored, the pair fight against the henchmen waiting inside, desperate to stay alive. They are able to get back out through the entrance, but continue to fight for their lives. Elena leads Nate to her jeep, hidden under massive green leaves. They get in the jeep and drive forward, to leave for the island where Nate believes the Spanish took El Dorado. The only problem is, Roman knows where it is also. Some time has passed. Nate and Elena are flying Sully's seaplane to the island where the Spaniards took El Dorado. Elena continues to record for her television show, excited to cover what was ahead. From nowhere, the two are fired upon from below. With the engine blown, the two are forced to jump from the plane if they want to live. Elena finds parachutes and straps one on her back. She jumps while Nate continues to fly the plane. He quickly puts on his parachute and works his way to the back of the plane, barely able to make it out before it's too late. He didn't realize he left his valuable map behind. Also, unfortunately for him, his parachute has a hole in it. Landing hard and dangling in a tree, Nate jumps down to solid ground. Oh, hell. Nate says, annoyance in his voice. Ah, stranger's trying to kill me. Leave my map on a burning plane. Elena's missing, most likely dead. That's great. Great start, Nate. Nate runs out of the old cemetery that he landed in and moves forward. Trudging through the new jungle, Nate runs into pirates and fights them. Gunning them all down, 
He continues forward, scaling ancient structures and venturing deeper into the jungle. He finds the seaplane crashed into a tree. Climbing up inside of it, thanks to a dangling rope, he finds and collects his map that he forgot. Out in the distance, Nate sees Elena's parachute abandoned. Repelling from the plane, Nate runs towards where Elena's parachute now hangs. More pirates come after him, but he easily guns them down. Jumping across platforms, crossing dangerous ledges, and killing more pirates, Nate makes it to an old fortress. It is the same old fortress that Elena's parachute now rests on top of. The seasoned adventurer climbs the fortress and makes it inside, but still cannot find Elena. At the top of the fortress, Nate sees a familiar building in the distance, a similar building to that of his map. Old Spanish ships now lay resting underneath the waters outside the building. <laughs> well now, that looks familiar. Huh, the ships never left. Looking slightly lower, Nate finds Elena recording the same building in the distance. Elena? Where did she come from? Right below him, Nate sees pirates readying to take Elena. He fires at them with his gun, but is not fast enough as one shoots a rocket, luckily missing him but knocking Nate out unconscious. Waking up in an old jail cell, Nate is discovered by Elena, who is talking to him from the outside of the jail cell window. I know I'm not a big-time treasure hunter like you, but I doubt you're going to find Eldorado in there. How'd you get yourself into this mess? Trying to rescue you, as a matter of fact. Oh, that's so sweet. Elena examines the brick wall of the jail cell. Traditional sandstone, brick and stucco. Limestone mortar. Huh. How'd you get to know so much about this? My show, episode four, Architects of the New World. Yep. It'll just take a tug to pull these bars out. What? No. Wait, are you sure? Elena jumps down, determined to free Nate, while Nate hears yelling and screaming from outside the door leading to his jail cell. Capitan, open this goddamn door. Oh, crap. A man, shaved head and sporting a black vest, walks into the room. Hey, Drake. Eddie Raja. I should have guessed. Fascinating document, huh? Eddie flashes Nate's map. Seems like this Sir Francis was in my line of work. Don't flatter yourself, Eddie. <laughs> Always ready to be enemies, huh? Tell you what, leave me to the gold and I might just let you live. Is that it? Is that my deal? Die now or help you and die later? It's a tough call, but you know what? I'll take die now. Taikamo! Listen to me, maggot. I was promised treasure on this goddamn rock, and now my men are dying. They can't even go outside and take a piss without an armed guard. I have nothing to show for it. Nate hears the sound of metal hitting metal from behind him. He turns to find a hook resting on one of the jail window bars. His eyes widen as he realizes what Elena plans to do. I am making you a fair offer. You help me find the treasure, and the last man alive gets the gold. And the girl, of course. The girl? Oh, Eddie, the girl's long gone. She's probably off the island by now, going for help. Di Guqing, you are never very good at poker. I will find her, trust me. How much trouble could one girl be? Suddenly, the jail cell wall is ripped out, torn away by a cable attached to a jeep. Well, come on. Thank you. Nate runs from the jail cell to Elena's jeep. Hey, goddammit! Okay, nice work! Thanks. Hey, hey, buka pintu! Hang on! Henti merica! After them! Eddie's men chase after the two as they try to escape the fort. 
Nate fires at them with the machine gun attached to Elena's jeep in the back. Leaving the fortress and back into the jungle, Eddie's men are relentless. Luckily, the duo escape and make it out in one piece. So, who was that guy? <sighs> Just an old business so look out! Oh no, hold on! Elena and Nate barely stop from falling over the side of a cliff. The jeep is now stuck, its back wheels hanging off the edge. In front of them, Eddie and his goons move forward towards the jeep. Going somewhere? Hey, Eddie! Did you really think you could escape from moi? Oh no, just giving the young lady the ten dollar tour. Shut it! I bet you're working for them too. What? You thought you could set me up and keep everything for yourselves, hmm? Eddie points a shotgun and blasts at the jeep window. Nate and Elena bend down to avoid getting shot. Get down! Damn it, this guy's crazy! Eddie demands that Nate gives him the map. With no other way to escape, Nate puts the jeep in reverse and drives back, falling off the cliff and down to the river below. Elena and Nate swim into an ancient flooded city, but are fired upon by Eddie's goons. With the henchmen all dead, Nate and Elena take a moment to rest. She shows recordings on her camcorder of the building shown in Sir Francis Drake's map and all of the sunken Spanish ships. In the footage, Nate spots a working boat and claims that that is their ticket to get off the island. Elena argues with Nate, asking if he really plans to quit. She convinces a reluctant Nate to continue forward towards the treasure. <sighs> this time, I drive. Okay. Alright, quick pause here. Um, so, so far, Sully has died. Um, Nate is planning to escape, and Elena is actually the one who wants to continue towards the treasure, which I found really surprising. Yeah, I really like the dynamic with Elena and Nate here, where in the beginning, Solly was concerned and Nate, I think, was somewhat concerned as well, but uh, I saw her in action, um, that Elena wouldn't be able to hold her own or that she couldn't be trusted or that she would just get them into trouble. And then it ends up being that Elena's the one who saves Nate and gets Nate out of danger. I think that's a really mm -hmm. interesting dynamic, especially different from what we usually see in these types of things um where it's the, the the nathan drake character just constantly saving elena whereas this it seems to be um a little bit more equal in that sometimes nate saves elena sometimes elena saves nate but they seem to have like kind of a partnership and again it's just more of these mm -hmm. interesting characters that are kind of filling out and feel fully formed and even with eddie um who for us in the game and in the narrative this is our first time meeting eddie but we already know there's history between Eddie and Nathan. We've already picked yeah. up on that there's some kind of history. And and just every time we meet a new character and every time we meet a character in general, the writing does such a good job of letting us know there's already a connection here. They already know each other. There's history here. This isn't just some random meeting, which then lets us fill in the fill in the gaps. And we don't have the game doesn't have to take time explaining why they know each other. It just trusts us enough to let us fill in those gaps and just then goes with it. Doesn't doesn't let that slow it down. Lets it just be part of this roller coaster ride of, of kind of this pulp fiction adventure. Yeah, oh yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I think Ryan, you nailed it. Um, you you know that there's these dynamics, but I think one of the things that that makes this you're you're watching Nathan Drake, who, who who really just watched his mentor at least at the time he thinks he's he thinks he's dead. So I think psychologically, there's a reason why he's having to be pulled up by the bootstraps and really you know forced to keep moving. Um, because I mean I, I think psychologically there's a there's a lot going on in in his in his head at least, um, you know with with what he believes to be losing Sully. So. Um, there's yeah. a lot going on there, but I think that 
you're exactly right. You're meeting all these characters, and maybe for us at the time when you're when you're first playing this, you might not know who A B C D E R I E Eddie, um, but you know that there there is that backstory, and it makes it interesting, and it makes you want to kind of role play. Um, how do these guys actually know each other, and what is what has Nathan Drake done to uh, make these guys uh, not like him all that much? Very Han Solo esque, right? <laughs> Like mm-hmm. this, you know, that dialogue reminds me of of uh, well, obviously Harrison Ford, but like a Han Solo type character in this in this part where there's there's that dialogue. So it almost fills out this like larger underground group who just are all are constantly adventuring and, and backstabbing each other together. That just makes the world really interesting. Exactly. Yeah, you just don't know who to trust. Like, and that's that's really cool. Even between the protagonists and the and the enemies, you know, you don't know who to believe and who to trust. And, and going to Eddie Raja, I actually really like Eddie Raja a lot in this game, um, more than I remember liking him the first time I played the game. Um, story-wise, he's a character that I think you like kind of learn to love to hate. He's kind of like eccentric in kind of everywhere, and he's very obviously driven, and that kind of makes a fun bad guy character. And actually, I, I'm enjoying Eddie Raja more than I am enjoying Roman at this point, who is like the bad guy in the game, which I think is saying something. So it's very interesting to see where they're going to take this story in terms of like bad guys and stuff like that but also touching back onto sully's death i think something that probably i wonder if the night dog team regretted is that like when sully dies obviously nate is like distraught but he's never like crying you don't see him very visibly upset he might be like inside he might be like torn up and destroyed and trying to keep it together but i kind of wish they showed more of that dynamic especially like what adam is saying in uncharted 3 later on we get more backstory between nate and sully and their relationship I wonder if that was like a missed opportunity for for them to really show the impact Nate would have had if Sully had died in front of him. Because I think there's way more to their relationship than what is is kind of seen in Uncharted One. Yeah, and I mean, I I think that there's there's a lot that can be said. Yeah, that there might have been a missed opportunity, but at the time, there's so much going on around him that mm-hmm. I don't think he really has time to. Um, lose it i guess if that makes sense i, I yeah, really don't know where yeah, i'm going with that that's but, a good point um i i, I don't know i i know that uh you could just kind of see it in that dynamic uh between him and elena that clearly something going on um but yeah, i just don't yeah. think that he has really the ability to do it in you know in the moment yeah i i agree with that adam i think they're just kind of pushing forward and going forward with what they have to do and i think this reaction is is completely in line with what we see in these types of things. Um, I think for me, my go-to would be Indiana Jones, right? Um, that is my, when I think of Pulp Fiction, that is my Pulp Fiction kind of analog mm. that I think of. Um, and the only thing I can think of that kind of rivals this is is in the third movie, right? When Indy's dad is, goes through that situation, which I, we, I guess we won't yeah. spoil a movie from the 80s. But um, there's there's still, you know, that, that moment there. But again, they had that time. And that was a core piece of that of that narrative where I don't know if that was a core piece of this or if, like you said, there's just so much going on that Nate just doesn't have time. That is very true. That's actually a very good point. I didn't think about, like, yeah, with everything going on, Maybe it would take him to getting off the island and knowing that he's safe for him to finally kind of break down and and to reveal those emotions about Sully's death. You know that would be that would make sense. So you're probably right. I I, I didn't think about it that way. So I'm glad that you showed that perspective. Like you should storygoers, but that's a side note. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's that, I I'm glad you said that, Adam. That's a very very good point. Very good point. Yeah, I mean, like he's he's being pulled out of a you know, I mean, he's being thrown on the back of a, a jeep. I think actually, is he driving in this scene or is he actually on the gun? I think Elena's driving, right? 
Lena's driving. Yeah, yeah that's so, why I think he says at the end. This time I drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I mean, also, you know, <laughs> I, I I've never seen combat, but I'm sure that if you're getting shot at, you you're more concerned with returning fire and <laughs> keeping your head down. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're really holding it together really well. I feel like. Um, Something that maybe Uncharted doesn't do a whole lot is show like the effects of fighting. Like Nate, I mean, arguably them, they all do. They kill a lot of people. Like yeah. they kill, that's like the ongoing joke for Uncharted. Like Nate literally murders like waves of people. Like and it just doesn't really say anything about it. Like, it's just kind of a normal just, day for him. Just lets it go. Um, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, he kind of does. Like he kind of like, he'll kill just waves and waves of dudes firing at him and he just like makes a joke and keeps moving forward and like no one's you know no one seems any different for it whereas like in real life i imagine that caused like severe ptsd and you'd be constantly you know on guard and and so maybe in that regard it's not very realistic but you probably you probably couldn't take it down that way and still have it feel like uncharted you know you had to keep it kind of whimsical and and silly and light-hearted in a sense um to make it more i would imagine digestible and more enjoyable yeah and there was actually, when these games came out, and this is still a conversation that's being had, is there's this thing in games, and I'm totally stealing this from other video game podcasts I listen to, there's a thing in game called ludonarrative dissonance, and it's when the gameplay does not match up with kind of the narrative. So, for example, we have Nate, who's this kind of fun, happy-go-lucky, cool, um, kind of laid-back guy, and then in the same in the same scene, he murders 30 people. Um, you know what I mean? That that dissonance between <laughs> yeah. who Nate is as a person, because we're Nate is portrayed as like generally a good guy. Like he he makes decisions that aren't always ideal, but he he generally is not out to hurt people. Um, he's just out to kind of you know go on this treasure hunt with his friends and keep people safe when he can, and then in the same breath, right, kill 30, 40 guys. Um, and we see this in a lot of game narratives, and that's because I think one of the things that game developers are constantly struggling with is. How do I make this fun and gameplay fun? Like the only way, especially in 2007, they know how to tell a really good story in this third person setting is this way, but there has to be a game there, right? There has to be some gameplay yeah. there. Shooting gameplay is really fun. Let's just add that on. And that is the, that is the game. Um, so that is something like within games and within around this time when these like really interesting narrative driven games were, were coming out, there was a big conversation uh, around. Yeah. But so yeah, it's, it has like a, an actual proper name for that whole dissonance there that's really interesting there's like wow. hundreds of articles on it so yeah. go check it out if you want but. i guess i'd never heard of that um and the thing is like i guess i'll ask you guys take out the combat what do you think uncharted would feel like without all that you still have the treasure hunting and the adventure and all that stuff but take out the combat what do you guys think the game would be received like how well do you think it'd be received uh, i would have to say probably more boring yeah yeah, because you're less engaged, <laughs> right? There's no yeah. life yeah, or death yeah, yeah. situation. Which and you're t- and you're making a very good point, Adam. Like you're making a fantastic point. You kind of need that tension. Yeah, because that's what ma- that's what makes the treasure hunt exciting. You know, like it's it's exciting to find the treasure, but it's more exciting when other people are trying to find it too. Yeah, that are trying to stop you from finding it. That makes it really exciting. Yeah. So yeah, you make a very good point. You kind of need that, but there's no good way to balance that. Yeah, I, I don't know what that would... I, I think if you took out that, like, shooting and the, the fighting, it, not only would I don't think it'd be as engaging, it would just be, like, a super short experience because so much of this game is managing and platforming and then also fighting. Without that fighting piece and without that action piece, I, I just I don't know what that gameplay would be because the, the parkouring is fun, the puzzles are fun, but I don't think that's enough to make it a, a proper game that you could sit down and spend six to eight hours playing. 
Yeah, yeah. That feels like it would be the kind of game that you'd find on Steam that's like a, a first-person uh, exploration thing. It's almost like a Gone Home kind yeah. of game where like you're just first person walking around interacting with your environment um it's like it's like the uh the now canceled game from um the guys that made firewatch the valley of the gods yeah that um never came out that's what it would be like i think mm-hmm. is a first person like self puzzles there's no risk you know that's probably what uncharted would be like without the action but without but with the action it creates this sense of tension and, and uh kind of brings the characters much closer together because they're trying to survive but yeah, it's it's very hard to 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 swallow the fact that Nate murders so many people. But then it's easy to also forget that. Yeah. Too, I think at times I, I forget that sometimes that Nate has murdered so many people at this point in the game, and I forget if they touch on this in Uncharted Four. And maybe we shouldn't talk about that because it's Uncharted Four. But I hope they do talk more about the effects of that or the consequences of of that of Nate's choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very curious also, I'm sorry, I'm rambling at this point. I'm very curious also if this whole discussion did not kind of help with the idea of making The Last of Us, which is another Naughty Dog game. Yeah. Because in that game, you do see the effects of yeah. kind of killing so many people, yeah. you know, more so than in Uncharted. Yeah, very psychological. I'm sure that, you know, this game did help in that um, in that respect. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Thank you, mm-hmm. Adam. You're so Sorry, welcome. It's funny. It wasn't funny. <laughs> I'm, guys, I'm here. I'm just here to help. That's all. <laughs> I mean, you're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. Great oh, job. yeah. As our first guest, you're keeping up very well. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm asleep most of the time yeah. though. I, I, I have <laughs> a time. I have a timer on, so like every five minutes, I'll wake up and you know. Uh, oh, is it my line? Oh, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Oops. Sorry. <laughs> oh man. All right. And we continue. Nate and Elena come across an abandoned jet ski and hop on. Riding down the river, the two are able to fight against Eddie's pirates and make it back to the building on Sir Francis Drake's map, known as the Customs House. Inside the Customs House rest several old ship manifests. Nate is enthralled by all the information. Nate finds a manifest that documents a gold statue that weighed over 500 pounds. He knows this is the gold statue that they're looking for, but the rest of the manifest is empty. Nate is puzzled and rubbed the ring around his neck deep in thought. That, uh, somebody special? What? Oh, (laughs) no, uh, well, I guess you could say that. Huh. I I pegged you as more of a woman in every port kind of guy. (laughs) Don't I wish. No, uh, this is, uh, this was Francis Drake's ring. I, uh, you know, kind of inherited it. Nate shows Elena the ring and the inscription wrapped around it. Sig Parvis Magna? Greatness from small beginnings. It was his motto. Check out the date. 29th of January, 1596. One day after his supposed death. Wait, what are these numbers right here? Elena points at the numbers found on the inside of the ring. Coordinates. Right off the coast of Panama. Oh, so that's how you found the coffin. Yeah, that's right. See... Drake left this as a clue to pinpoint the exact burial site. For someone clever enough to figure it out. Yeah, nice try. But we're still going for that boat. I'm afraid this is as close as we're getting to El Dorado. Nate rips up the page of the manifesto titled El Dorado, and both he and Elena walk out of the room. I I think it's very important to point out that Nate has a very special relationship with Sir Francis Drake, though they had never met. 
but it's very obvious that Nate holds him in high regard, having the ring wrapped around his neck as a necklace. Would you guys agree with that, or do you feel like it's going too far? I don't think it's going too far. I mean, he he carries that name around, uh, carries the ring around. I think it's just a kind of like a I don't know a historical idol. I, I don't I don't think that's stretching it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't. I, I I agree. I don't think it's stretching it too far. I mean, his he also shares the name, right? Sir Francis Drake and Nathan Drake. So there's like some implied connection there. Um, that they're just kind of that Drake is leaning into, or that we as a a, a story goer are are kind of making that connection. This kind of highlighting that experience. Yeah, and I and I wanted to point it out. I think and I remember why I wanted to talk about it is that this is really important. This dynamic between Nathan Drake and Sir Francis Drake because we see that dynamic possibly shift as the story goes on, and we'll know more about that when it comes up. I thought just as a story goer listening to this, be mindful for the fact that Nate holds Sir Francis Drake in high regard, and uh, well, I believe that he holds Sir Francis Drake in high regard, and that relationship between the two is very important moving forward. As they make their way out of the customs building, they're ambushed by Eddie's men again. Making it out to one of the balconies outside, Elena convinces Nate to go get the boat while she stays behind to get more footage for her show. Nate reluctantly agrees and moves forward through the customs house to find the boat on the right side of the building, resting at the dock. Finding his way through more pirates, Nate arrives at the boat only for it to be loaded with items carried by the pirates. Preparing for another fight, Elena suddenly comes up from behind him, camcorder in hand, desperate to show Nate something important. The footage taken just moments ago shows Roman and his henchman Navarro readying to take off on a helicopter with Victor Sullivan alive and joining them. I don't know, Nate. I mean, how much do you trust this guy? It's not exactly like they're holding him at gunpoint. (sighs) I know, it seems weird. But no, Sully's a lot of things, but he's not a backstabber. The pirates, having loaded the boat, take off, unaware of Nate and Elena hiding behind them. Uh, Which way were they heading? Uh, Northish? Yeah, yeah, towards the mountains. Okay. It's gotta be the monastery. Let's go. What if it turns out he's working with them? We either rescue him and beat the crap out of him. Hell, I might just beat the crap out of him anyway. With their only ride, the boat now gone, Nate and Elena travel north to the customs building, trying to catch up to Roman and Sully. While traveling across an old wooden bridge, the planks under Elena's feet give way. She is caught by Nate, but unfortunately drops her camera, plummeting to the depths below. Upset she lost all of her footage, Nate redirects her to move forward. Leaving the customs house in one piece and escaping into the jungle, Nate and Elena make their way north, commandeering another jet ski and traveling upriver. Drenched in cold from the water's rapids, Nate and Elena seemingly make it to the sanctuary. Elena rushes in a hurry while Nate tries to calm her down and reminds her that Eddie's goons are all over. Suddenly, Elena and Nate walk right in front of a trap having already been set off, with one of Eddie's goons having been impaled by it now left to hang and rot. Nate comments that the spikes on the trap were made by the Spanish long ago, but there are also spikes attached made by the wreckage of the seaplane embedded into the same trap. Wait, that doesn't make any sense, though. Why would anyone set up traps like this when their own men are crawling over the island? They wouldn't. Nate bends down to find some strange, abnormally large tracks left in the mud. Something's been here since the trap was sprung. Something or someone? What do you think that- Shh. Do you hear that? Hear what? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We're being watched. 
watched? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It's probably nothing. Um, Let's just get out of here before we run into whatever's been chewing on this guy. Okay. All right, so quick side note. So now we're being introduced to something weird here, right? We look at these tracks. They're very weird tracks. Tracks that aren't belonging to any human or any animal or any known animal. It's a very weird uh, track left behind. So, like, when this happens, it's like, what is going on? Like, this very realistic take on history is shifting a little bit. And something's not right. Um, when you, when this happens in the story, what are you guys thinking? I mean, for me, when this happens, it's almost as if, again, there's this other layer, like, added on to it. It's almost like there's this supernatural element. Because, at least for me, when I first played Uncharted, and, and more with Uncharted 2, I didn't have any idea, any thoughts. There'd be anything other than kind of this wild adventure. And then you start to see, and this is kind of common throughout all of the games, that there's always something else going on. There's something kind of nefarious and something that almost seems magical in nature um we don't have enough information for that yet um but there's just something strange going on yeah and i think the the other thing is is there's that layer of uh you know really what's going on with sully yeah good point i forgot about that she's <laughs> starting to kind of question you know okay what's what's really happening with this this other i guess this underlying theme we're starting to question what characters motives are and everything like that so um just adds another layer to it yeah we don't know who exactly is friend who exactly is foe at this point it's cool i i when when that happens I'm like oh my god please don't let sully be a bad guy like please like it's cool that he lived but please don't let him be a bad guy that would suck because he's such, such a cool character it's it's really good writing where or at least i think so it's really good narrative when you as a character are excited that this person is alive, but you have so much other questions about, but wait, what is going on here? And and you can see that in Nate too. Like we, they've tied our emotions so closely to Tate because of the narrative they're telling that we as a player are excited that Sully's alive, but then just like Elena, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is going on? What, why is this happening? It's just really well done. It's, it's, it, it's really engaging and intriguing. And again, I think like we've talked about so many times, it brings out so many questions that make it more engaging yeah, and more dramatic. Definitely. Nate and Elena come out of the clearing into the entrance of the monastery. Two of Roman's mercenaries stand guard outside. They are told to keep Nate and Elena away from Sully and to secure the library. One mercenary mentions that the old man is working on the east side of the complex and they can't be trusted. Nate and Elena fire on them, quickly killing the mercenaries and moving forward into the monastery. Adventuring through the monastery, Nate and Elena make their way towards the library, killing more pirates without hesitation along the way. Making their way to the front entrance of the library, they know that they can't just walk in the front, so they go around to the side and enter through a hole in the wall. Inside the library, Nate and Elena hear a familiar voice. She worked in this little bar in the Philippines. Oh man, she had a smile that melts your heart, but oh, I swear to God... She'd just as soon kill you as kiss you if she'd caught you stepping out. Just a wee bit of a thing. She couldn't have been more than 4'11". They called her a spinner because she... Will you shut up, old man? You told us that one a dozen times already. Oh, yeah, right. Of course I did. Memory's not what it used to be. What the hell's taking you so long anyway? Well, maybe you hadn't noticed, but most of these books are half rotten and written in Spanish. Well, hurry it up. The boss is waiting on you. Looking up, one of the mercenaries spots Elena and Nate. Hey, up there! Oh crap. 
A firefight ensues as the treasure hunters gun down the two mercenaries watching Sully. Oh man, it's about time you showed up. Well, you're looking awfully good for a corpse. So you brought the girl after all, huh? The girl? Hey, hey, if it wasn't for her, you wouldn't be getting rescued right now. If this is a rescue. What the hell does that mean? You gotta admit, Sully, that this is all a little shady. Yeah. I mean, you tip those guys off. And miraculously showing up alive? Now, wait a goddamn minute. Roman had a contract out on me. I need to buy some time, alright? Stupid mistake. I didn't realize they'd try and track us. Sully, we would have been heading home with the treasure by now if you had just kept your mouth shut. And you might have been checking for a pulse before running off and leaving me for dead. Look, none of that matters now. Alright, so how is it that you're standing here breathing and all, huh? <laughs> you're not gonna believe this, huh? Sully holds up Sir Francis Drake's journal that Nate discovered in the ocean days ago, a bullet still lodged in the book. No way! Old Francis took a bullet for you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought this kind of thing only happened in movies. Yeah, well, it still hurt like a son of a bitch, I'll tell you that. I bet. Anyway, once they realized I wasn't dead, I convinced Roman that they'd never find the treasure without me, so I've been trying to mislead them ever since, waiting for you to show up. Well, where are they now? Well, they're chasing a little red herring I sent them on, on the other side of the monasteries, to get rid of them. <laughs> Victor points out a page in the journal of Sir Francis Drake. Look, Drake had it all figured out. See, that's the symbol the Spanish used to mark the secret vaults. Treasure's hidden right here in this monastery. Find the symbol. And, and we, we find, find the, vault. the vault. We have everything we need right here. All the clues take us right to the treasure. We can do this, kid. All right, all right. You boys aren't going to get all chummy and leave a girl behind again, are you? Don't even think about it, Sully. She's got a mean right hook. I'll keep that in mind. The three investigate the library, looking for any clues they can find to the location of the treasure. Nate realizes that the four statues in the room have all been drawn in Drake's journal. Shifting them in the right directions, a secret passage behind a bookcase opens. They go down inside and open another door. Nate opts to go into the passage alone, against the wishes of Elena and Sully. Sully gives Nate a radio and tells him to leave it on channel 13, so they can communicate. Elena stops Nate before he leaves. Nate, be careful. <laughs> Come on, I always am. Nate turns and hits his head on the passage opening. Ugh, I did not see that! Sorry, I thought that line was so good. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> Nate goes into the passage and travels underground, underneath the monastery. Taking down more of Roman's mercenaries, Nate overhears Roman and Eddie talking to one another through a small grate. Eddie tells Roman that it is not just Nate killing all their men and that this island is cursed. Roman cuts Eddie loose and questions Navarro on his wild treasure hunt. Navarro assures Roman that it'll all be worth it. Nate continues to make his way underground and is able to climb up the monastery but finds no luck on any clues leading to the treasure. He radios Sully, who tells him that the books in the library hint at a secret galley at the top of the church. Nate makes his way to the church only to find Roman and Navarro waiting there as well. You have got to be kidding. Hey, Sully. I'm here. Remember Roman and Navarro and that red herring you sent them on to get them out of the way? Yeah. Well, they're sitting right on top of the treasure vault. Oh, of all the goddamn luck. Look, I'm going to need a diversion to get out of here. You got it, kid. One diversion coming right up.
and Sully. Yeah. Once they're gone, meet me in the mausoleum. But come through the catacombs. It's safer that way. Gotcha. Nate watches as Navarro and Roman leave the mausoleum, having heard that Sully escaped. He makes his way down to the mausoleum into more firefights with the mercenaries stationed outside. After wiping them out, Nate enters the mausoleum to find Sully and Elena waiting for him patiently inside, having traveled there through the catacombs. Solving a puzzle inside the mausoleum, a secret passage opens, and the three travel inside. They hear a weird noise and realize that the secret passage is a trap. Nate pushes Sully back into the mausoleum, but he and Elena are now trapped inside. Walking forward, they enter into a large room with elaborate structures spread throughout. Able to navigate the structures, Nate and Elena find themselves in an empty room where the treasure should be. Against the back wall, Nate finds a surprising corpse. It is the corpse of Sir Francis Drake himself. It's Drake. He never found it. He he just died here. <laughs> so much for greatness. Wasted his life for nothing. Nate takes off the necklace with Drake's ring attached to it and leaves it by Drake's corpse. Nate, are you ready to get moving? Yeah. More than ever. So a quick pause here. So now we're seeing that Nate has kind of lost all this kind of aspiration, I want to say. Or Nate has lost kind of all of this, all of his like positive feelings towards Sir Francis Drake has kind of gone now. He, he thinks that Drake has just wasted his life and died in these catacombs for nothing. So we see him drop the ring by Sir Francis Drake's corpse, and that's kind of the end of it. So, Ryan, when you saw this, like, what kind of went through your mind in terms of, like, what Nate is feeling in that moment? Yeah, I mean, it seems like this, and, and because we know more information, it, it seems like this was really important to Drake. A lot of who he was and his motivation seemed to be tied to Drake. I mean, so far, all the things he's found, all the mm-hmm. things he's done has been because of this ring he inherited, and now it was all for nothing. Um, this motto that Drake seemed to have lived by, um, that from greatness from small beginnings, um, seemed to be kind of a motto he was living by, and now he finds this person he looked up to just dead, and he didn't achieve anything in Drake's eyes, um, in Nathan Drake's eyes, and it seems to be that was really hard on him. Yeah, and like, Adam, do you think that like Nate saw himself in Francis Drake and kind of like felt this like, wow, if Sir Francis Drake didn't, it died for nothing, what am I doing? I mean, I think he was trying to emulate Francis Drake, but that isn't, there's like a there's a saying that I've heard before. It's uh, never meet your heroes because they're sure to disappoint you. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that this pretty much encompasses that. So like for for Nathan Drake, well, if Francis Drake can't um, can't complete his goals, can't achieve his his um, his desires, then what what's in it for me? Like, what am I? I I can't do that. If he can't, then I can't. Um, so I think there's a lot of a lot of that. It, it's not uncommon for people to idolize people, but if you're to you know you're gonna walk in and, and you find like for Nathan, or you find Francis Drake's corpse just laying there, you know, not even at the finish line. Um, it's extremely disappointing. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's probably I imagine it was like it, it did not validate Nate's respect and admiration for Sir Francis Drake. And in a sense, I I feel like if I was Nate and, and I was in that situation. I would really be questioning what I was doing with myself. Whereas I'm, I'm, you know, my hero is Sir Francis Drake, this, this idol that, I mean, it sounds like he's always had and for him, for Francis Drake to just die, not having accomplished 
all of his goals, I would imagine Nate probably feels a lot of like, Nate probably feels a lot of like questions towards himself, like, what am I doing here? And will I end up like Sir Francis Drake if I continue down this path that I'm going down? Um, probably a lot of conflicting emotions. And it looks like he kind of gives up on that that admiration and, and, and respect that he has for Sir Francis Drake by leaving the ring behind, which is very, I think it sim- symbolizes that, that feeling that he has. Nate and Elena find a ladder, and he spots her to help her reach it. As she climbs up, Nate turns around and finds Eddie and one of his goons slowly backing up towards him. Screams can be heard in the distance. What the hell is going on out there? Didn't you see them? Oh, no. Oh, God, no. We're trapped. Jesus, what is that? We're dead. We're all dead. Without realizing it, Eddie's henchman is grabbed by a monstrous creature and dragged down a pit. No, no. Eddie, get back. Eddie runs towards his man, but knows it's too late. More of the creatures come up from the pits below, grotesque and walking on all fours. Oh, crap. Drake, if we don't make it out of here, I just want you to know, I hate your guts. (laughs) Yeah, likewise, pal. Now let's do this. Eddie and Nate shoot at the monsters who charge and leap at them. Elena questions what's happening below, but Nate just tells her to get the rope hanging above and drop it down so they can climb up. That's right, you ugly cognac. Don't mess with Eddie Raja. From the pit below, a hand comes up and grabs Eddie. It pulls on him and refuses to let go. Nate runs up to try and help, but one of the monsters plunges their teeth into Eddie's neck and pull him down into the vast emptiness below. Eddie! Eddie, hold on! Ah! Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Elena, hurry up. All right, so really quick, I want to take a discussion. Eddie is dead. <laughs> He's super duper dead. No um, way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it makes me sad because actually I really liked him as a bad guy in this game. I, I, I wish he had more of a part to play in this. Um, I feel like he was underutilized story-wise. Um, I enjoyed him a lot more than I've enjoyed Roman and Navarro. I feel like Eddie uh, was the kind of villain where he was very self-motivated and it was very realistic and it made sense, And but he was also a villain that yeah. made mistakes. And so it was very interesting to see him and his dynamic with, with Nate and Elena. And, and of course, too, Nate and, and Eddie's past relationship dynamics are there, too. We don't know a whole lot, but that kind of makes it interesting. So I'm, I'm, I wish we had seen more of that before Eddie died. I don't know. Adam, do you feel the same way or what do, how do you feel towards Eddie? I, I feel the same way. It, it, I feel like, and, and I'm going to you know go out and, and show how much of a nerd I am, very Darth Maul-like, right, in episode one, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's, he's, he's killed off in the first game. I think that there could have been such a larger story. And, of course, we, we find more bad guys throughout the, um, throughout the series. Um, and, uh, you know, in, but I, I, I think I have to agree. Um, you kind of want to see more of Eddie. Uh, at least I do. I- yeah, yeah. I actually would have loved it if Eddie had been this like recurring character that somehow always survived. Like he's always a part of these adventures, and like not like not on purpose. Like he is like always <laughs> like going off in these adventures, and somehow he's in the same adventure that Nate is also in, and he's always in these like mess up situations. But he just always lived. I think that would have been so funny and such a fun kind of thing to always have in the Uncharted games. Like, will Eddie survive this? You know, and then Uncharted Four, he finally dies. Like, wow, I did not see that coming. You know, <laughs> like something funny like, the- like that. I think- just like in the most weird way possible, like he gets hit by a train and, and the 
fourth one or something. But, but yeah, you know, yeah, or he like dies of a heart attack, or like he eats and <laughs> right? chokes on something. Like how how funny would that be? Like it'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that would have been a lot. I, I, I would, yeah, better. I would say. Um, like yeah, he's yeah. a fun but, character. Um, yeah, he's a really fun character. He's he's I don't know. Yeah, I think he's totally un- underutilized. But Ryan, how do you feel toward Eddie? Uh, yeah, I feel sad for Eddie too. I think there are, if I'm remembering right, um, there's like a comic series that featured Eddie um, that took place before this. So if you're interested in more Eddie, I don't know what it's called, but I could Google it if you'd like. But I'm pretty sure there's more of Eddie out there somewhere. Not in game form, I don't think though. But yeah, I, I liked Eddie as a character. You wanted to know more about his history. Uh, and then also in this scene, we see these monsters for the first time, which like this is this is what I remember being the terrifying from this game is up till now, we're murdering obnoxious amounts of um, pirates and mercenaries and things like that. But now there are these terrifying creatures charging at us, trying to attack us, killed Eddie um, that totally, again, flips everything. It, it, it adds so much more tension when now there's this like supernatural almost monster that is totally unexplained up to this point, just now exists. That's um, really interesting. For those of you storygoers who enjoyed the game Until Dawn for the PS4, and I think probably PS5, um, the monsters in Until Dawn remind me a lot of the monsters of this game. They look very similar. Yeah, they um, look very similar. But yeah, they're they're it's creepy because you're like, what is happening? And so obviously these creatures, I mean maybe it's not obvious, um, these creatures are the ones who made left the footprints by the trap that were gnawing on the dead body of Eddie Raj's um, pirate, the body. Yeah. Um, so now we're kind of putting the pieces together. These monsters are are everywhere. They were watching Nate and Elena. Um, and now they're coming out of the woodwork to, to get them. And so we're thinking, what is going on? This is just a treasure hunt between, you know, it was like kind of like a normal, quote unquote, normal situation that wasn't very normal. But now it got super weird because these monsters are coming out of everywhere. And so Nate is just desperately trying to stay alive while Elena's doing whatever she can to get this rope down to get him up. So it's a lot, even more tension is, is put on the tension that was already there. Yeah, I can remember the emotions when I first played this. My palms literally sweaty. Like, what is happening? <laughs> you're just like literally at one point you're walking through a U boat. Next point you're getting chased <laughs> by zombies. Like, what? What is it? You know yeah, I mean? yeah. It's cool. I think they did a really good job too. Because I think it could have gone. I I wonder if there was a lot of stress in this one particular part introducing these monsters. I feel like it could have gone so bad, um, but they handled it really well. I think. I think that there was a lot of mystery behind them. So they not not making it very obvious as to what they were and then having them show up would have been worse. Whereas now they're kind of being sprinkled in more and more. And in that, that question, like what is going on? Like this is getting crazy, but you're, you're so wrapped up in this action and survival that I think you don't have a whole lot of time to question what's going on, which, which works for the story. Yeah. They, they, they did. They, they read the horror movie, horror story playbook where you don't, you wait until the very last minute to reveal the monster, right? You let, your mind be filled with the imagination because in this scene in these moments you're in this like large empty catacomb cavern that's kind of spooky on Mm -hmm. its own but you're not really sure why um and then these creatures appear um that you weren't expecting at all um and it just ramps up the tension so much yeah it's i think it was very very well done um i'm very curious to find out kind of what is going on Mm -hmm. um with these creatures and, and their and their role to play in all this Elena is able to drop down a rope that Nate climbs up. Making it back together, Nate and Elena run from the monsters chasing them down any corridor they can find. They make it into an empty room with a metal vault door and quickly shut it behind them. 
keeping the monsters at bay. Both turn around and quickly realize that they have found themselves in an abandoned German bunker. Documents left behind on the tables indicate that the Germans found the golden statue left by the Spaniards long before them. Unable to escape anywhere else, Nate leaves through a broken window and turns the power back onto the bunker. More monsters come out of the woodwork and attack Nate as the alarms of the bunker sound off around him. On his way back to get Elena, Nate walks to a room with a running projector showing the golden statue and a Nazi soldier chained to a pillar, rabid and covered in blood. A picture left next to the projector shows a German soldier kneeling next to the giant golden statue. A letter resting next to the picture is picked up by Nate and he reads it out loud. My end is near. The devils hunt for me in the darkness. The gold of El Dorado bears a terrible curse. The Spaniards have unleashed hell and become as devils. My men have all been murdered, leaving the task to me alone. No ship will depart this island. I destroyed them all, and I drowned the cursed city. And I drowned the cursed city. A thing of such great evil must never leave these shores. In my final hour, I commend my soul to God. May he have mercy on this unholy place. Francis Drake Nate, having realized Sir Francis Drake did not waste his life, quickly runs out of the room, being chased by more monsters who followed after him. Making it back to the bunker room Elena was left in, Nate finds it now empty. Looking at one of the windows in the opposite side of the bunker, Nate sees Roman, Navarro, two mercenaries, and Elena. Roman turns on the microphone on his side of the bunker to talk to Nate. Can you hear me in there? Loud and clear, jackass. Oh, no microphone on your end. What a shame. Nate, get out of there before... Navarro punches Elena in the stomach. Elena! Leave her alone, you sons of... Navarro, if you can't maintain control over one small girl... It won't happen again. Trust me. I'm sorry for the interruption. I just wanted to, uh, thank you for leading us to El Dorado. <laughs> of course, Nate says. Oh, I hope you don't mind if we borrow Miss Fisher a little while longer, just to discourage you and your partner from trying anything creative. So long, Nate. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah, keep smiling, asshole. I'll see you soon. Mercenaries come from behind Nate towards the bunker where he stands in. After him. Oh, hell, this can't be good. <sighs> Nate hears the mercenaries run up towards his location. Go, go, go. Like the other firefights, Nate barely makes it out alive. Traveling through the German structure, Nate kills more mercenaries and monsters alike, while looking desperately to save Elena. Nate finds a ladder that takes him back up to the surface and into the jungle. He contacts Sully, who is being held down at the church by Roman's mercenaries. Nate runs back to help his friend. We gotta stop them, Sully. They don't know what they're dealing with. I don't know how, but that statue destroyed the whole colony and it killed the Germans too. Whoa, come again? There's no time. We gotta get to the church. Nate and Sully run desperately to the church. Mercenaries are everywhere looking to finally kill the two treasure hunters. After more gunfire, Nate and Sully go into the hidden passage under the altar. Pushing the altar out of the way, a small opening leading down below awaits them. Both jump down. You want to tell me what the hell's going on? Drake didn't want to take the treasure off the island, Sully. He was trying to stop it from leaving. What? It's like cursed or something. Oh, Nate, for God's sake. 
Look, I know it sounds crazy. You gotta trust me. Running through the passages below, Nate and Sully find the Golden Statue, along with Roman, Navarro, Elena, and more mercenaries. They are forced to drop their weapons, or Elena dies. Both Nate and Sully comply, begrudgingly dropping their weapons to the ground. Roman examines the golden statue resting before them, as Navarro tells him that it is only a shell, and to open it. Roman does just that, opening the golden statue to reveal a mummified corpse trapped inside. The dust from the rotting corpse is inhaled by Roman, who begins to violently cough. (coughs) Roman closes the golden statue once again, before turning around, revealing his pitch-black eyes. He charges at Navarro, who shoots the now-crazed Roman in the head. Navarro reveals that he knows exactly what's going on, and that he plans to sell the golden statue to the highest bidder. Monsters suddenly begin to descend down to the pit, where they all stand, as the golden statue is secured and lifted by helicopter. Jesus, what are those things? It's the Spaniard, Sully. They never left. My god, if that thing gets off the island... You gotta stop him. I'll cover you from here. Sully covers Nate as Nate runs and grabs onto the golden statue as it's lifted up by the helicopter. Navarro, still holding Elena as a hostage in the helicopter, hears over the radio that Nate is holding onto the statue. A mercenary leans out of the helicopter to shoot at Nate. Taking her chance, Elena kicks the mercenary out of the helicopter who continues to fire their gun into the air. A stray bullet goes through the head of the helicopter pilot, instantly killing them. Navarro takes control of the helicopter and brings the helicopter down to a large boat resting in the ocean. Nate jumps down, but the helicopter crashes on top of the ship, onto the helipad. Navarro motions for everyone on the ship to kill Nathan Drake. As Elena lay unconscious in the now-on-fire helicopter wreckage, Nate desperately guns down mercenaries trying to get to her and save her. Running between cargo containers and crates, Nate barely makes it to the helipad on the ship where the helicopter crashed. He spots Elena and tries to run to her before he is blasted back by Navarro with a grenade launcher. Nate rushes Navarro and is able to get his gun out of his hand. The two continue to fistfight desperately, trying to stop one another. With a good punch, Navarro is knocked out, and Nate runs over to save Elena. As she's pulled out of the helicopter wreckage, Elena points to Navarro, who is now standing. Thinking fast, Nate pushes the dangling helicopter off the helipad and into the ocean below, causing the loose rope resting on the ground to wrap around Navarro's leg, dragging him and the golden statue down into the ocean's depths. Nate and Elena watch as Navarro falls into the ocean. Adios, asshole. Oh my. Out in the distance, Nate and Elena spot Victor Sullivan riding up in a small motorboat. Oh, quite a day. Yeah, yeah. Save the world. Triumph over evil. Pretty typical. (laughs) Really? It's a shame we're leaving empty-handed, though. Oh. Oh, well, you know, I... I did manage to save one small thing. From Elena's pocket is Sir Francis Drake's ring that Nate left behind. Here, I I thought you might miss this. Thanks. Nate leans in to kiss Elena before the voice of one Victor Sully Sullivan yells out, You two got a funny idea of romantic. Sully! Wow. You... You look like hell. Yeah, you should see the other guys. (laughs) (laughs) Got Uh, us a boat. We already have a boat. Elena motions to the large boat she and Nate are standing on. Yeah, big boat. I like this one better. Sully reveals to have crates full of Spanish gold. (gasps) Sully, you beautiful son of a bitch. Borrowed it off a couple of pirates who were too dead to care. (laughs)
Driving away from the large ship on their motorboat, Nate looks out into the distance. Elena walks over to join him. Hey, uh, sorry you didn't get your story. Uh, that's alright. There'll be other stories. You still owe me one. <laughs> Nate smiles, puts his arm around Elena's shoulder. I'm good for it. Nate, Elena, and Sully ride off towards the sunset. The end. Whew, great job, guys. <laughs> that was a good story. Yeah, that it was, was. Yeah. It has so many different parts so, and so many good twists and turns that I legitimately just don't see coming. But overall, Adam, let's start with you since you are a special guest. Overall, what do you think of the story of Uncharted? I I think that there, there's a lot, obviously, that goes on. Um, but something I'd like to, to point to is you see... You see Nate's story, I wouldn't say comes full circle, but for, for Uncharted 1, it comes full circle, where at one moment he's he's chasing after this illustrious Sir Francis Drake. He's he's inspired by him. He believes at one point that, you know, Francis Drake didn't accomplish his goals. He, you know, leaves this ring, and then at the end this symbolic ring comes back, and, and I think that he finds his... his um, passion mm-hmm. his his pride or, or whatever what have you in francis drake is returned when everything is settled and done um and i if i remember correctly this scene is is done with the sun setting it's just it's just the perfect yeah. end to i think what almost the perfect game um and uh you know i i loved uncharted one um obviously uh so like i said i just think it's it was really cool to see um, see that ring come back at the end there um, because I think it means a lot to, to I think me. it really symbolizes Nate and his his overall journey in life probably it's kind of what I'm feeling and maybe I'm just saying that because I know too much about Nate's life but I know that the ring means something significant to him abandoning it earlier geez that word's hard um, that was really <laughs> impactful for Nate so now that he has this chance of putting the ring back on uh, it kind of like I feel like for me as the story list, as the, as the person listening to the story, it kind of re-solidifies the fact that Nate now, you know, his his belief system is back in place. If that if that makes sense. I, I also think he, Nate is finishing Sir Francis Drake's like goal, right? Sir Francis Drake, his dying wish yeah. was to make sure this whatever it was, this curse never left. And yeah. Nathan not only achieves that, um, but he achieves that um, by following in Drake's footsteps. And then the ring is returned, right? So it's this—it's a full circle for not just Drake, but also Sir Francis Drake. His goal was to make sure nobody ever saw the light of day of this. And Nathan Drake, who he led here in a roundabout way, ended up doing that, which was really cool. I never thought of it that way, actually. That's actually really cool. Yeah. I never thought of it. Like, they were really kind of working towards the same goal, and they accomplished it together. So, like, I imagine as Nate, I would feel even closer to Sir Francis Drake than I had before this whole journey even started. Definitely. That's a really good point, Ryan. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, I think that 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 really wraps it up with a bow. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's okay. It's it's really cute. (laughs) It's really cute. Yeah, I know. I think overall, Uncharted is a great story. I think the only thing I wish had been better, I love the characters. I love Nate and Elena. Sully are fantastic. Um, I think they dropped the ball a little bit. With the the bad guys, I would love to see like an Andy Raja kind of come into power. You know, maybe kill Roman 
and you know he he kind of takes over the situation. He's this really brash bad guy that kind of um, makes mistakes, and that'll lead to his downfall. And that would have been kind of more interesting, I think. But overall, like it's not a big deal um, you know, for the story. I think what, I think what Ryan you just put it perfectly that Nate is finishing Sir Francis Drake's story, and that kind of is like a beautiful ending. And he's also kind of you know quote unquote found love, like he, or not quote unquote. I think he's kind of found love in this situation, or at least it kind of alludes to that that he and Elena. Um, are now kind of feeling like romantic feelings one another, one another. and Sully's alive, which is awesome. He's a good guy. So, <laughs> yeah. like, it kind of wraps it all up in this perfect package that is probably too good to be true in the real world, but it just feels so good to watch on screen. Yeah, they they just have so. perfectly captured that movie feel that these games do, and and I think these are more um, engaging than movies, at least for me personally. They capture this kind of a roller coaster ride of an adventure um, in such a great mm-hmm. way, and it's so satisfying. Yeah. So yeah, overall, Uncharted. I think we all agree. Great story. Yeah. We really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're super excited to cover the future games as well. Mm-hmm. I would. I'm hoping um, we continue forward in the future with these games. And Adam, hopefully, you'll join us for the other Uncharted. Yeah, games that would as be well. great. You've been, yeah, yeah, more than happy to. It'd be awesome. This was fantastic. <laughs> Having uh, you as our first guest has been great, Adam, because like you know, you brought a, a fantastic game for us to to cover. Um, it's really enjoyable because we all got to do lines together through it, which is a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I look super. I, I'm super looking forward to Uncharted two and three and four. Obviously, like they're all such great games. But yeah, Adam, thank you so much for being our first guest on the podcast. You've been a great pleasure to have. Is there anything that you would like to promote? To the storygoers listening um if if you got uh if, if you guys are interested in, in naval history i have a, a navy history um instagram and blog that i've started it's called knots about history k-n-o-t-s about history so uh, feel free to check it out um pretty cool stories and like nerd out with me um <laughs> As we, uh, yeah, I, I, literally, <laughs> Adam is the, the person like I know the most. Like, who I know knows the most about history. Like, he is just he he knows his stuff. So, if storygoers, if you are a huge history buff, I highly recommend uh, you follow him and just and see it, all the greatness he puts on his pages. Like, literally, it's fascinating. As someone who like I enjoy history, but I'm not like super good at remembering it and like being super like into it. Uh, I still really enjoy what Adam brings to the table because like it's all very interesting and relatable stuff. So. Highly recommend it. Next week, we are going to have our second DLC episode. Yes. And, uh, I'm so excited and for this Right. Yeah, me too. Do you want to announce what our topic is for that yeah. episode? So for December, our DLC episode is Game of the Year, right? Game of, yes, the, year. Well, game game of, the, year. of the Year. Game of the Year for story. Yeah, our favorite yeah. stories um, from this year. A lot of times, a lot of game podcasts do Game of the Year stuff. We're going to focus on story games. So there are some games yeah. that I played this year that... I have loved so so much, but and put insane amounts of time into. But there isn't enough of a story there for me to focus on that. So we're gonna focus just on the, the stories that in, kind of connected with us. And Eric, I, I do want to ask, and we can ask this off or on. Is this the is this game stories that we've played this year? Or game I would probably say game stories we played, just so we know. I, I think I think it's more of like a personal okay. choice rather than like the overall industry standard. I think yeah. it's like what game stories really stuck with us. You know, I think it would be the it would mm-hmm. be cool. Adam, you won't be on the episode, obviously, but if you could pick a game story that you think is game of the year for you right now, what would it be? Um, oh, sorry, um, putting on the spot really hard right now. <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I did get a chance to play Ghost of Tsushima. 
um, very story driven. Mm. Uh, before my uh, PlayStation Ooh, yeah. out. Um, so yeah. Oh, I didn't get to, to finish, finish it, it, but I loved the game. Um, oh no! So I'm hoping to get a yeah, yeah. I think you would like yeah. the ending story of that. It was yeah. very well done. I'm hoping I, to get Valhalla. I have it. For, yeah. So no joke. I ordered Valhalla for PS5. I have the game. I just don't have the system. <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome. <laughs> oh, no. awesome. I, I think it was like what 69 or something like that so yeah so 60, i ordered yeah. it for 49 yeah. so it's yeah. waiting yeah, yeah. <laughs> just haven't played it yet <laughs> oh that's rough that's oh, rough yeah yeah uh yeah i know i keep hearing i keep seeing on instagram and stuff and twitter like people are like the, the, the ps5s are up on this website and i'll go to it and it's like sorry this page yeah. is not active anymore <laughs> and, then, and it's like come on like it's like yeah it's impossible right now i'm like yes screw you guys i know it's crazy <laughs> scalpers are getting beat up for their Holy ps5s yes. like it's insane right now <laughs> and, and xboxes but yeah it's it's pretty that's it that's kind of ironic in a sense but um but yeah so next week our dlc episode is uh game of the year story edition so story goers if you have a game of the year that for the stories that you think you would like to bring to the table please email us at tales from the cartridge at gmail.com all of the e's are threes and also comment on instagram twitter dms let us know what you think about your game of the year story wise and about uncharted what do you think about the game we'll read those on the next episode so um but yeah i guess without further ado we'll uh end adam thanks again for joining us Thank you've been you. fantastic it was a lot yeah, of fun. Thank you. Seriously, thank you. Yeah, I'm. Very, I, I'm very glad that you brought <laughs> Sully to the table. You did a fantastic job. I was just saying, he's yeah, you did he's a really a good character. job with Sully. <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's really good. I'm very excited for yeah. Uncharted Three, and and, if you, and for your your Sully to come back for Uncharted Three, <laughs> that'd be a great be. time. <laughs> so, and then uh, and also storygoers, if you can leave us, if you feel uh, nice and. Uh, and all warm and tingly inside him on the. <laughs> don't yeah. don't give him the option, Eric. Don't they? You they have don't to give us a choice five star anymore. rating or else. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are you doing? Four, four. What do you? No, why three? Go back to five. Oh uh, yeah, if you do feel in your bones to uh, give us a five star rating, we would really appreciate it. Obviously, we're at four five star ratings right now. Not to brag, humble brag. <laughs> we want to keep the keep the record going. So, um, but yeah, so thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week for the next story. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>